This episode of The Real Answers Podcast is sponsored by Knottech from Benno J. Gunlock. How do you repair knots, cracks, and gouges? Knottech from Benno J. Gunlock is a hot melt nylon putty available in 17 colors for an easy and fast repair. Join the NWFA webinar on March 30th, 2022 for more info and a live demonstration. We will also feature Knottech at the NWFA Expo at booth 1200. This episode of the Real Answers podcast is also sponsored by Oldwood Limited. Oldwood Limited's roots are deep in the manufacturing of antique reclaimed wide plank flooring and 2022 makes our company 25 years old. We want you to know that along with our antique reclaimed, we are also manufacturing select grade and rifting quartered white oak flooring. Please give us a call at 866-208-WOOD or 866-208-9663 or visit our website at oldwoodlimited.com. That's O-L-D-E-W-O-O-D-L-T-D.com. Hello and welcome to the NWFA Real Answers Podcast. Please welcome my co-host, Chris Zizza, with CNR Flooring in the Boston area, and our special guest, Lee Resnick, partner of Resnick Associates, Resnick Succession Group, a nationally recognized business succession, estate planning, and life insurance advisory firm. Lee and his twin brother, Terrence, have worked extensively for more than 250 trade associations and have appeared in many articles in business magazines, newspapers, and trade journals on the topics of business succession, estate planning, and due diligence. The firm is also a co-founder of the Elizabethtown College Family Business Center in Elizabethtown, Pennsylvania, one of the largest college-based family business centers in the United States. Welcome, guys. Chris, why don't you tee off what's going on with you? I know you're, uh, I think you're in the airport, maybe? I was in the airport. Actually, um... You know, we had the uh, bonus certified convention last weekend, and I stayed uh, in Colorado for the weekend, did a little skiing, flew back yesterday, only to get up early, drive to Cape Cod, take a ferry out to Nantucket to do some moisture testing on a project, and then uh, took a twin engine back down uh, to Hyannis to get back onto the mainland, and now uh, obviously jump onto this podcast. Uh, I'm a little excited about today, and probably more more accurately, a lot excited because me being so long in the tooth, if you will, 35 years in business coming into 36, succession planning uh, is you know high on my list. But I think we're going to hear from Lee that it's not something you should start thinking about when you're 56. You need to be thinking about this all along. Um, am I right, Lee? You're absolutely right. And one of the um, fallacies to succession planning for business owners is they think, well, I have to address this at time of succession or transition. And to your point, that's not accurate. You, as a business owner, should always have a succession plan in place. That doesn't mean you have to give up control of your business at all. It just needs to, there just needs to be something in place today for the eventuality of what's going to happen. And that will be the transition of a business owner's business in some form or fashion. Exactly. And, you know, one of the things I always tell people when we're talking about structuring or organizing their company is I always say, listen, it's your machine to run. But the reality is you're building a company and you want it to be something that's saleable. You know, you're building something to sell, not just to close. You know, and so that that's how I lead myself through and how I have. And I and I do think at this point we have a saleable product known as CNR flooring. Um, but I know we probably have a lot more to go in terms of organization. So that being said, I'm going to let you jump in here and tell us what we need to know, what we need to be thinking about, if you don't mind. Not at all. And 
what's interesting with succession planning, uh, succession planning really is an individual type of situation. As you mentioned, you may be in a situation where you're building up the value of your business to sell it, put it in the best position possible, or you may have a family business that's going to be transitioned from the current generation to the next. Either facets of succession in, in those two examples, there needs to be a proactive plan in place for a couple of reasons. One, mitigation of taxation. Whenever there's any form of transition or transaction with a business, the tax man realistically is going to be involved. So how do we do proper, thorough legal planning to minimize taxation? Also, if you have a family business and it's being passed down, and we'll talk about this in Tampa, is that business will only be passed down in one of three ways. It will be passed down in the current condition that the business is in, weakened or strengthened. If you're proactive with your planning, you can actually strengthen the business for the next generation. Oh, dig into that right there, that, that exact point. How are you going to strengthen your business while you're running it for, for well, the succeeding generation, of course? Okay, it's a good question, and not to give away too much of our seminar, but what we will talk about. I'll still buy the book, brother. <laughs> okay, there you go. <laughs> well, we will talk about because it's important. So it bears mentioning at least this time and at the seminar because it should be a message that's repeatedly drummed into a business owner's head. You can strengthen a business when it's being transitioned down, first and foremost, by the foundational element of having good communication with the next generation meaning that as a parental business owner that's going to pass a business down, and we've seen this time and time again, and, and it's unfortunate, but you have to have the responsibility to communicate with the next generation. You have to help prepare them. You have to start delegating responsibility to them. You cannot be close to the vest. And not to be too long-winded, I can give you a real-life example from the day. Business owner from an unrelated industry, nothing to do with NWFA or any anyone close to your industry, completely different. This is the fourth generation. We're on my brother and I were on a Zoom with two of the brothers, one of their sisters that are the heir parents of this business. Their father, as a third generation, he got the business fine. He does not discuss anything with these three kids. And when I say kids, they're adults, they're in their fifties that have been working there twenty plus years. That's a recipe for disasters, unfair to the kids, and any parental business owner that's listening to this cannot overemphasize enough. You have to communicate with your kids. Also, um, not too specific, you can do actual planning that will help strengthen the business in addition to having that communication with the next generation. Lee, what about, what about in the succession, the previous owner, or like you keep referring to, the parent? keeping his thumb on it too much and not letting the new, the, the second generation or the third generation, let's just say the new generation coming in, the new management team, but they don't let them do their job. Do you run into that and have some tidbits towards that direction? Will we be covering things like that in Tampa? We will. We will. And, and there are multiple cases, of course, where the current level of ownership, whether it's a parent, grandparent may be, they do put the thumb on the scale. They do try and control things. And if you try and control things too much and your vision is for that business to succeed and transition to the next generation, you're doing a great disservice to that next generation. So you, and this is something we make clear at the parental level of ownership. We're not saying succession is a dirty word, which means you lose control of your company. 
We're not saying that at all. We, we have some clients where they have the vision and the foresight. They have the next generation that's actively evolved. They know they're going to take over the business, and they're perfect clients. Communications there. They want to put the next generation in the best position possible, and it works out great. We have other clients, and this does not make them wrong or bad people, but we have some clients where they may have started the business. They want full control literally till the day they die. Then the kids get it, and that's fine as long as you have a proactive succession plan in place. So the message being, if you're at the parental level of ownership, succession planning does not mean loss of control whatsoever. You can keep 100% of your business literally until the day you die, but you have to have a plan in place or you're doing a great injustice to the next generation. You know, what we're seeing now is, you know, we have a, after, you know, post-COVID, we hope, um, we're seeing sort of the, the, the great resignation generation, but there's also another side to that where business owners are tired and they're ready to maybe get out of what they're doing or, or change or go ahead and start the succession now versus later. And if you don't have somebody in the family, what are some other options for succession? That's a great question. And literally just got off the call, a call with a new client and while I was running late, that's it. They're in the exact situation. Uh, this person is a third generation owner and it is not going down to their children. So they, they wanted to have, um, good intent for lack of a better phrase. They care about their employees. They want their employees to continue the business, but through discussion, and this is true 99.9% of the time, employees don't have the wherewithal to pay for the business but the employer wants to keep them employed. So what do we do in those situations when it's not being transitioned to the next generation, you can look at what's called an ESOP. A lot of people are familiar with that term or a variation or a various design of an ESOP, which um, in a very cliff notes version, it's a benefit to the current owner or level of ownership, whoever's involved where it can provide immediate tax benefits, ongoing tax benefits, revenue generation. It can help, incentivize, reward the employees that you want to take care of, and the business can continue on. And with new variations of the ESOP, um, there's more flexibility with that. And don't have time on this podcast to get too in detail with it, but I, I think the important message here is regardless if you're a business that's not being transitioned or if you're a business that is being transitioned within the family, there is good proactive planning that can benefit everyone. Lee, will we also talk about some ideas as far as being able to evaluate your business? Like how do you, how do you even come up with what a business is worth? Is it based on your sales yep. number? Is it based on three years? I don't want to give too much away your workshop, but I, I do want to have our podcast, you know, cover a little bit of the, of the basics sure. for those who won't be there. Sure. Sure. Valuation is critical with succession planning and estate planning. And to, to your point, valuation can be done in different methodologies, but from an estate planning methodology, the IRS they don't want to look at sales figures, EBITDA, formula. What they look at is fair market value, which is under Internal Revenue Code 5960. Fair market value is generally the highest type of valuation because the IRS, of course, wants to generate as much revenue as possible. So there is, and we'll talk about this in the seminar, there's a low and high range of fair market value. But if you're a business owner and you're in an estate taxable situation and you don't have a valid independent valuation done and you think your business is X and your 706 return, your, your state tax return is filed upon your passing and the IRS says, nope, it's 3X. You have nothing to substantiate X. There's going to be a lot of problems, especially if that business is intended to be passed down to the next generation because in that example, if there's 
insufficient liquidity, and more often than not, the business is the largest asset in the business owner's estate and may have to be sold and liquidated to raise capital to take care of this tax because we never had an independent, legitimate valuation placed on our 706 form reflecting the business value. What does it cost to have a company evaluated, or are there so many various levels of that? Um, it's not something you just say, oh, it, you know, a typical costs this much money. Yeah, it, that's a good question. It depends on the valuation firm that's doing it. It depends on the size of the business. It depends how many entities they may have, business-related properties, things like that. But a general ballpark, and this is a very rough sketch out, I'd probably look at ten grand. We've seen some valuations, uh, twenty, twenty-five, thirty thousand and more. Unless it's a very unique, uh, an orthodox type of situation, business structure, that's probably overkill. But yep. um, depending on the size of the business, probably ten grand, you know, give or take. Okay, and it's that's not, a document. It's not going to be a thousand. It, it's not going to be a thousand bucks. It's not going to be a hundred thousand bucks. Right. No, but this is a document that. What's the longevity of a document like that? Like if I were to have this done next month, how long does that valuation last? Or or does it does it state for a range of revenue for so long? That's a, that's a very good question, and we'll discuss this at the seminar. The full. I got some good questions. I'm feeling pretty good right now. <laughs> you do. <laughs> we might put you on the podium with us, but the. Um, Valuation is critically important, and to your question is that once a full-blown valuation is done, it's something that should be updated annually. Not that you have to redo the valuation, but it's important because, and I'm sure everyone on the podcast here knows of people or have heard of businesses where they were started 20, 25 years ago, and they're valued at a million. Now they've grown substantially, and they're worth 30, 35, 50 million or more. But their valuation says a million. It's never been updated, and, and that's true. Not to veer too far off topic of the valuation, but that's very true with anything related to succession planning or estate planning. If, if you do not update your planning and your documents, you may have had a really, really good plan put in place. But now, since so much time has passed and the business has changed, what you have in place is not even reflective of the business that you have today. So to your question, the valuation should be at least updated every year, every two years, just to keep track of it. You don't get too far off base from from what the reality is of the current price. And is the update, I'm going to guess that the update is not as in-depth as the original valuation so that's not an, you know, a repeating annual cost. Uh, is it a little less to do an update? It, it is. In our firm, we, we don't do valuations. We work with many valuation specialists, of course, uh, with our clients. But yes, it, generally on the um, updates, the fee will be less. It won't be as involved. It'll be less time consuming. But it's important to have those figures documented somewhere. You don't want to have a valuation done in 2022 and it's now 2040 and your valuation is based on the business in 2022 and it was never updated. One thing I wanted to make clear, I did not mention when we started to discuss valuation, when you have a valuation done for your business, specifically for estate planning purposes, it's important that your accounting firm does not do the valuation. You want to have an independent appraiser do that. And that's not to say that your accounting firm couldn't do it. They probably know your business better than anyone. But from the IRS's perspective, and and all of this stuff, the business succession, estate planning, we're all doing it to 
legally counter the IRS and you want to put yourself in the best position possible. So with valuations, you should not have your own accounting firm do it. There's independent appraisers that do it and that's all that they do. So Well, and I would just say to right. our listeners out there, you know, remember it's never too early to start planning for succession. You really don't know when you're when you're gonna be when there's going to be a need for a succession plan, number one. And number two, you know, the future is, is around the corner for all of us. And the days go by very, some, day, some days go slowly and the years go quickly, but it's around the corner for every business. So it's never too early to start. So even if you're in your 30s, this is well worth attending and, and starting to think about the future of your company. All right. Well, good. Um, I'm good over here. Lee, you have anything to add before we move on? Um, no, just we're looking forward to presenting. I know it's Tuesday, April 12th, 1 o'clock to 3.30. Um, highly encourage any business owner, CFO, family members of business owners to attend. Uh, it may be the most valuable information you ever hear. Well, I have no doubt you're going to be valuable for our members to come and take a look at. And Chris, I know you're planning on going to the session. So Lee, we look forward to seeing you in just a few weeks down in Tampa on April 12th from 1 to 3.30. Thank you, guys, and keep it real. Lee, I'll be the guy smiling and raising his hand in the front row. I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> All right, looking forward to it. Take care, Everybody guys. have a great day. Keep it real out there, guys. Thanks for listening.